The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network presents The Reforming Business Podcast. Join Gary and Nathan as they reignite your passion for God and business. Hey, thanks for joining us. This is the Reforming Business Podcast, a weekly show in which we interview Christian leaders on issues of the marketplace, economics, agriculture, really driving around the issues of Christians in business ownership. We want to equip you to effectively reform the marketplace in the United States of America and around the world. weather outside is frightful yeah it's snowing this is the reforming business podcast i'm gary just want to give a quick thank you for all of our listeners before we jump in this week's show it's been a uh, wonderful couple weeks just getting this thing off the ground like us on facebook uh, leave us a review on itunes we're going to ask that as much as possible because that really helps expose what we're doing here we've got a lot of growth to do. We know we appreciate the support, the comments, the feedback, the phone calls. We've got a couple hundred people that have already joined our Reforming Business Forum. We hope to make that a place that's a great asset for you in the weeks to come. Okay, I'm very excited today to have our guest, Tim Yarbrough. He's a self-employed business owner. He owns several successful businesses. He's been in business ownership for 40-plus years. His contributions to this show will be around specifically the lost art of apprenticeship and Christian discipleship on the job. Tim, for, Tim has motivated me and many others around this idea of Christian apprenticeship. He has helped me think through the books and the character-building resources needed to impact the lives of young men and women. So, Tim, it's great to have you on the show. How are you doing today? Well, thank you. It's good to be with you and uh, doing very well. The Lord's very good to us. Very gracious. Yeah. So you're from Alabama. Today you happen to be in New York. Um, How is the weather where you're at today? Well, it's actually pretty nice. Uh, it's been raining uh, some and uh, colder than uh, um, folks where I'm from uh, like it to be, but uh, today <laughs> the sun's shining. So. <laughs> right. That's half the battle in New York. <laughs> well, that's great. So why don't you give our listeners a little bit of information about your background? All right, well, uh, I was born in Lawrence County, Alabama. I presently live eight miles from where I was born and raised. Uh, I'm a country boy. Uh, I went to uh, our local uh, school, and uh, then uh, when I was in my teen years, uh, the Lord converted me, and it was in the process of my conversion and the subsequent two years that the Lord used to mold purpose in my life uh, because uh, my conversion was very real. And uh, along with myself, uh, there were a number of other young men and women in my area that were converted. And uh, we were very uh, serious about our faith, and I went looking for help. And it was during this process I discovered, uh, and and I didn't realize it then, it was just very frustrating as a young person, uh, 
Uh, and later, as I grew with some maturity, I realized that the sincerity that we held our faith, that we wanted to know how to apply our faith to everything in life. And uh, I realized uh, later that it frightened the men around us, and uh, no one would take on the task of discipling us. Hmm. And that led to a void and a searching, uh, because we, you know, and, and in my case, and I know several others, we never developed uh, the Paul Timothy or the Paul Titus or the Moses uh, Joshua relationship of the Christ and his disciples. Uh, it was missing, and, and it led to some serious uh, theological confusions uh, and so forth. And so as the Lord brought me through the process, and I began to understand this from the scriptures, and then the Lord blessed us with children, I made a commitment that this was not going to happen to young people around me that came to Christ or that found their lives in crisis looking for answers. And so that was really the foundation of it, and uh, I had started my own businesses by then, and and uh, I began at that point in time to look for uh, young men, and in particular at that time, that uh, wanted to learn solid character, solid work, uh, biblical ethics, and mostly in the homeschool community at that time. That's we were homeschooled, a homeschooling family, and uh, it was through that process. Uh, over the years, uh, for about the last 28 to 30 years, somewhere along there, uh, we've had uh, somewhere between 350 and 400 young people who have come through uh, the apprenticing uh, model. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. And, you know, you, you hit some very important aspects of discipleship overall. It just seems like in terms of American Christianity, it's really been just reduced to Bible studies at the church as the formal way in which you disciple, and exclusively the only way you do it. Well, uh, you know, I, I think that what what has occurred is because it is due to the theological implications and the fruit of dispensationalism. Yeah. Yeah. And the otherworldliness of Christianity, the Bible was not given to us for how to live in heaven. Mm. It was given to us for how to live on earth. Mm. And uh, we, we have an orientation to the future. Uh, but I remember distinctly, uh, as a young man, where I was raised at, uh, my, my grandparents, uh, as well as my own uh, uh, father and mother, if an older person walked into the room, it was customary for us to stand up to greet them. And you did not want to not stand up because there were consequences to that. <laughs> but the problem was is that we did it out of uh, fear, mostly. Okay. And I remember the day that I was reading the scriptures and I read Leviticus 19.32. Thou shalt rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man and fear thy God. I am the Lord. Hmm. And it hit me all of a sudden that what had occurred to us culturally is that a precept of the Word of God had become uh, enforceable by fear 
rather than by faith. Wow. And we had forgotten, and, and our generations before us had forgotten to teach us why. Why we do these things. And so when I first read that scripture and realized that in my, my history, it, you know, involved in my culture, there was a why. Uh, what a tremendous joy it was to, each time that an older person came into the room, to rise up. And to think about fearing the Lord, I am the Lord. Uh, God gave life to this individual, and ever how long they're alive, uh, that is a gift of God. And so I think oftentimes what we have forgotten is exactly that. We've forgotten why we become adults, why we are called the older men, or why we are the older women, and why there are things with youth that God intends expects and demands that we teach them. Hmm. Uh, so uh, I think a lot of the apprenticeship model has to do with answering the question, why? Why do we do these things? Why did we develop these characteristics? Mm-hmm. Uh, why do we have this view of work and this view of the future and this view of government and this view of family? Mm. Uh, and so that's, uh, that's really at the bottom. Uh, it is our duty, as well as our great privilege and joy, to train the next generations in the lines. Yeah, that's great. So I, I guess with all of that, that's kind of giving some of the necessary background to the void that we have existing today, both um, culturally within within the marketplace and within the church. So I want to start with a diagnosis uh aspect of this. Why have, and I'm assuming a lot in this, but I think you would agree, why have Christian business owners gotten away from apprenticeship programs in favor of, let's say, higher education exclusively? Well, uh, to put it real bluntly, idolatry. Hmm. Uh, We have accepted the pagan's version of how to create positive future generations rather than the Word of God. Hmm. And so therefore we have displaced the biblical model with a model that was designed by people who have no intentions of honoring God or honoring the Word of God, and that has become norm. It's been that way now for a good solid four or five generations for the most part. And we've accepted it without critical analysis from the Word of God. And because of that, uh, what happens with our young people is we allow them to be trained and discipled by humanists and statists and idolaters, and therefore it, it, it shouldn't be surprising to us that we lose them because of what they learn to imitate. Right. Uh, the Apostle Paul, in writing to Timothy, it, it, I, I don't. after all these years, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things where I consider it normal, but why we don't have conversations with young men and young women about youth hmm. and what the Scripture says, and, and they need this from us, and, and they need it in a positive manner. The Apostle writes uh, to Timothy, let no man despise thy youth, but be an example. Now, we hear that all the time, but who says to the young people, let me explain to you, why older people despise you or they look down upon you. 
mm-hmm. and why this is how you overcome it. We need to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing the apostle says to them is, flee also youthful lusts. Well, what are the lusts associated with youth that you need to be highlighted and aware of? And how do you overcome those? Those are the kind of conversations that are very intense. Typically, they're approached to, with, to young people from a very negative standpoint rather than the fact that God designed those into the character-building process. Hmm. And uh, so in the apprenticeship model, the most important thing that will occur there is the example of the Apostle Paul who said to these young men, the things which you have seen and heard and watched me do, do thou also. Wow. So when you are mentoring, mm-hmm. you must be fully conscious of, number one, of the fact that that's exactly what you're doing, and number two, that you're setting an example that, by God's grace, you want the next generation to imitate because God is pleased with the example. Amen. And it's vital. Yeah. Uh, how many times have we been inspired by someone we meet and uh, I, I can remember a man that I met. I, I had never met an individual who was so confident in guarding his tongue and how God used that man in my life, an older gentleman, to encourage me in the discipleship and the discipline of that. And I got to ask him a lot of questions. And I'll never forget one of the things that uh, he told me. Uh, he said, I have often lived to regret things I said. I can't recall a single time regretting something I didn't say. <laughs> wow. Right. And uh, yeah. I thought, boy, that's that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That's, so, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's very personal. Hmm. And I think sometimes that's what happens to us is that we get these grandiose ideas uh, rather than the idea of being a mentor to an individual mentor to a young family and that 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 this is so valuable and it's such a wonderful calling to be able to not only be a friend and associate but to mentor them in christ applied to all of life and it's a wonderful wonderful thing to be able to do that to learn how to struggle with them, to cry with them, to learn how to apply the Word of God to these things. Wow. That's, so yeah. I think with the mentorship uh, or the apprenticeship process, that the first thing that has to happen is that we have to be convinced as older Christian men and women that we have something valuable to give to the next generations for real life. We have to be convinced that God's way of dealing with business and God's way of dealing with the community and God's way of dealing with family are worthy of being passed on to the next generation and that that passing on, God has appointed a means. And that means is by the apprenticeship model, the discipling. It doesn't happen by osmosis. And we have to embrace that, that that is a calling. You look at Deuteronomy 6, uh, and you could just, go through the scriptures, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul encouraging Timothy, the things which you have seen and heard in me, teach thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So it, mm. it encompasses an intergenerational view. 
we have to, for lack of a better way of putting it, I guess, fall in love with God's methodology. And so with that said, what you're saying is that Christian business owners have a moral obligation to begin the apprenticeship discipleship process through their work. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if we don't do it, then we have to ask this question, who will? Yeah. Hmm. And if the Christian community is unwilling to engage in economics, in uh, welfare, in foreign policy, in property, in rights, uh, in family structure, if we don't take the Christian perspective and the, from the Bible into those areas, then we may rest assured that the pagans will. Wow. Yeah, so it's it's unavoidable. Somebody is going to be discipling this next generation of um, of business owners, of employees. So if the Christians will not do it and they they reg they they take that and they set it aside and say, I don't have time for that kind of thing, well it's it's not really a neutral stance. They're actually making a determination not to train the next generation of of the marketplace. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think the marketplace is probably, I mean, you know, we see the impact today uh, by infiltration of the marketplace by pagans in sexual morality, uh, in economics where corruption uh, is the norm. Hmm. Uh, and of course, we don't call it corruption, but that's what it is. Uh, I, I uh, deal a lot with various corporate boards and uh, things like that. And this is norm. Uh, and, and, and it's, it's even like it's uh, a question, question uh, you know, what's the best way to be corrupt? Uh, you know, it's, it's not a matter of the corruption, but how do you not get caught is the question. Hmm. So with these young people, uh, what I see is, is, you know, we start out with them. Uh, number one, it's not isolated from their families that... Uh, Oftentimes, they need to learn to really appreciate God's structure of the family. And then from a personal responsibility standpoint, we, uh, we share with them that God only requires us to be responsible in three areas of life, and that's it. Hmm. Uh, the first one is everything we think. The second one is everything we say. And the third one is everything we do. Hmm. And outside of those three areas, we can do what we want. Wow. Of course, they generally get the point. Uh, well, that's that's kind of everything, <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, let's move let's move to I guess more specifics at this point. How would it, there's a there's a business owner who's listening to this? They they've got a full schedule. Uh, as you know, it's definitely not a nine to five. It's it's a it's it's very much a lifestyle, if you will, when it comes to business ownership. How do they begin to make time? Obviously, the first part is they have to identify the moral obligation. But now that hopefully through this this episode and others like it, how do they begin to to implement this this process of discipleship 
at work? Well, it, it comes first. You, me, and everyone else has time for what we prioritize. Mm-hmm. So when we say we don't have time, that's a misnomer. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we're saying is we don't have that in a high enough priority. And so, therefore, this type of a process will only be important to individuals who know the value of prioritizing. Mm-hmm. If you prioritize it, you will make the time for it. That's just the way life works. Uh, if you don't prioritize it, then you'll have all kinds of uh, questions, excuses, et cetera, that you can use. But the bottom line is that you don't prioritize it. But secondly, uh, it has to do with your view of the future and what role God requires you to play in it. Uh, I am a post-millennialist. I believe that the gospel is going to conquer the earth in time and in history, that Jesus Christ will sit at the right hand of God and he will sit there until all of his enemies are made his footstool. And because of that vision, uh, like the uh, Pilgrim Fathers, uh, though we be but stepping stones unto so great an endeavor, uh, let us commit ourselves to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then you begin to see, uh, for these young people, uh, you start interviewing them. Uh, you, uh, you know, I find homeschool circles to be very good. Uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten some young men that have been in trouble from the probation office. Mm-hmm. Uh at times, uh, God will put people in your path that come from extremely difficult backgrounds, uh, drugs, mm-hmm. broken homes, uh, you name it. It's, it, it, it. You know, just the travesties of sin. Mm-hmm. But you look for those opportunities, and you do so with a view to serving Christ to the future next generations. And uh, then very specifically, you start looking at your business or your business model, maybe business expansion, where you can take these young people and put them into those roles and tell them up front that what you're looking to do is not retain them as employees. You're looking to develop them into leaders. Hmm. And that as leaders, there are things that they're going to have to learn because there is a great statement made by Richard Weaver who said there is no greater way to help a man learn to think straight than an increased sense of responsibility. Hmm. And uh, so you have to put them in positions and you have to challenge them not to be a good employee, but to be a leader. Hmm. And as you challenge them to be a leader, it impacts their character. Uh, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Hmm. If he becomes convinced that he is to be an example to his own generation and generations after him. It will change him and will change her. And that would that would assume that you're being one to them, right? Absolutely. So when it yeah, comes if you're to... you're hypocritical, yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing about young people, my, my children, when they were young, hadn't yet been trained in the art of deception, uh, and they would point out my hypocrisies. Uh, and, uh, you know, that was... Uh, very disturbing on one side, and uh, of course it was a gift from God on the other, but you surely have to fight with the old man uh, mm-hmm. about wanting to use your authority to uh, displace the fact that uh, their honesty uh, is really a gift. <laughs> so you can't be hypocritical. You, you, your love, your concern, 
your professional. It has to be real. Yeah, because on one hand, we're, we're looking for youth to disciple, but obviously there's a huge uh, necessity for the business owner to see that they are going to be influencing the character of these individuals and that these individuals are by, by, I, I guess a consequence of bringing this together will be imitating them to some degree, to a large degree. Absolutely. And, then, and you know, the other thing that you, and most people who have owned businesses realize is that the greatest problem in the business community is not skills, it's character. Wow. And 95% of the problems that companies have are not skill-related problems. They're character-related problems. And what we try to do is to isolate character from performance, an impossible task. And so when, as you're discipling, one of the things that you have to realize is that a person of godly character who really takes the Bible serious will develop skills at a rate that other people will not. Hmm. And so therefore, the future of this individual or individuals is going to be very positive from an economic standpoint hmm. uh, because of the fact that you don't have to deal uh, for a continual period of time with character issues that undermine productivity, the thinking process, or uh, their willingness to be honorable in their economic endeavors. Right. So, uh, you, you know, and you, you can ignore that, but uh, as you can see time and again in the workplace, you ignore it at your peril. Right. Wow. Wow, that's, that's, that's huge. That's huge. Um well, and, and the other thing on that point is we need to quit as Christians being apologetic for it. Right. Uh, th there is no reason everybody thinks that nobody should be a liar or a thief. Hmm. But when you implement that, then you have, uh, you know, issues. And, and, and it needs to be able to be normal conversations because that ought to be normal behavior in uh, the Christian community. Yeah, and this will have a way to to uh, bring that spotlight upon your own your own necessity to walk as you you talk. So um, absolutely. So this is this is important for both for for the the ones we're discipling and for ourselves. So when this when there's a void that exists there and you're not discipling anyone, it's really easy to hide under that hypocritical lifestyle. But with that said, this kind of thing should be happening between uh, uh, fathers and children as well. I mean, we should be thinking economically. And uh, I, I think it was Rush Dooney who said that the next great area of evangelism will be economics. And so I, I look toward the future when Christians begin to influence people on a robust lifestyle way in which we're opening up not only not only um I, I guess through camaraderie but we're literally opening up our homes in hopes to advance the marketplace for the rule of christ so your this information is so critical to doing that 
Um, so I, I guess we, we have about five minutes left. What the, the Christian business owner who's listening to this, what does this look like for you currently? What does this process look like for you, you through? You have several different businesses. What is that currently? What would people see if they were watching on your shoulder? Well, uh, number one is that with these young people, what we are doing is we're, we do not want to retain them for life. We use what we call the circles of influence model. And the goal is not to retain them. We want them to become, for lack of a better term, self-sufficient and owning their own company and doing the same thing, generating the same process again. Hmm. And so what we do is we have a number of different businesses that are start out small. We've discovered numbers like the average small business between 500000 and a million dollars a year is about all you can really handle and be honorable to your other uh, goals uh, in, a, in a family environment. So the, the, what you would see is a process of training young men and young families, young ladies, for leadership in the roles that God has designed. And we, we mostly deal with young men by a large margin, but there are a number of young ladies, particularly young ladies who are married to the young men, because when you own a business uh, as a, 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 a an entrepreneur, it's a family deal whether you intend it that way or not. That's right. just the way it works. Yep. So uh, one of the things that you see in the examples of, for instance, uh, one of those that want to be rich, uh, how does that look? And I'll share a story with you. I had a couple of young men that were in our apprenticeship uh, program. Uh, and we take them to board meetings, our investment meetings, our uh, business startup meetings, et cetera. And we went to this one meeting, and we went back a second time, and there was a guy doing a sales pitch for investing in, uh, and uh, also some help, and I took them with me. And, and of course, they uh, do the song and dance, and they get down to the investment time, and I asked to be excused with the young men. And, uh, and I uh, went outside and I asked them these questions. What did you see and would you participate? And uh, this was, these young men had been involved for a couple of years and they said, well, no, we wouldn't. And I said, okay, fine. Uh, why would you not do it? And they said, well, the character of the individual in the presentation who would be in charge. Hmm. Remarkable insights. One of them was 19. One of them was 20. And uh, I said, okay, and here was a principle that we taught them. Wow. Make no friends with an angry man, lest thou learn his ways and become like him. Hmm. Now, it's interesting that God doesn't say that he will learn my ways and become like me. Hmm. And so because of the fact they were able to discern that this man did not have the ability to control his temper, and they, they picked that up from his conversation and his demeanor, so when we go back in, said, what decision did you make? And we said, well, we're not going to get involved. Hmm. And the guy said, well, do you mind sharing uh, why not? And it was in the back of the way he said it uh, there, but uh, it was more uh, in your face kind of, well, why not, you know? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, do you really want to know? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, okay. Uh, there was a king who was training his son a long time ago who said, make no friends with an angry man. And that means a man who has trouble controlling his temper. Lest thou learn his ways and become like him. And our perception is that you're a man that has trouble controlling his temper. 
And therefore, we would open ourselves up to being influenced by you, and we don't want that because we would probably fall prey to it. Wow. And having said that, uh, this gentleman at that meeting burst into cursing us out. Wow. In front of everyone. <clears throat> demonstrating the very point that those young men picked up. <laughs> and so uh, they learned a valuable lesson that day, that no amount of money is worth degrading your character or opening yourself up to it in the economic world. Hmm. So you've got to learn that it's okay to walk away hmm. and that there is a tremendous freedom in knowing uh, by God's principles and the grace of God that you can do that and not feel any regret whatsoever. Hmm. Wow. That... That is incredibly important to see more decisions being made based upon the character of the individual that you're about to go into business with. And I think that is just missing across the board. So this is, I, you know, I, I know we're just getting to the tip of the iceberg here. There's a lot to cover. Uh, I, I guess I just want to ask, what are some books that people are interested in? beginning this process, beginning the the process of apprenticeship and discipleship on the job, what are some things that they should be reading and require people in the process to do as well? Well, uh, I'm going to recommend four books uh, that are very readily available. The first one is the book of Proverbs. That book was written to teach leadership. Uh, the next two books were written by the Apostle Paul to young men. Uh, and, well, three of them, actually, but First and Second Timothy and Titus. Get very familiar with those. Learn to ask questions about why would Paul say uh, to them, uh, flee youthful lust. Be an example. Uh, you know, what does that mean when he says to them, be an example? Be very conscious that you are becoming an example. Want to do that. You know, it's like if a man desires the office of a bishop, mm. there's nothing wrong with saying, I desire to be an elder. Mm -hmm. I desire to be a, an example and embrace that. Mm. And then, of course, the book of James. Mm. Uh, uh, those books have all of the indicia mm. that you need to be successful in the apprenticeship and the mentoring model. Mm. Uh and, and I, I, I strongly suggest that those be the four books that you are the most familiar with. Then there is a uh, uh, Stephen Covey uh, and his son, Stephen M. R. Covey, have written a couple of books uh, that I think are very, very helpful. Uh, Seven Habits of Highly Successful People. And then the uh, one that his son wrote is called The Speed of Trust. And in The Speed of Trust, uh, we all know in a marriage, in a church, in a business setting, if you remove trust, the one thing that happens is the cost goes up. Hmm. And it goes up tremendously. What happens in the business world is that when you lose trust in the people around you, etc., what happens is for uh, the, the vernacular is everybody starts trying to cover their tail. And so it becomes defensive rather than offensive where people are pursuing a goal, a purpose, a commitment. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, so learning how to cultivate trust, uh, for instance, when we first interviewed young men, we tell them right up front, you have no reason to trust me, and I'm good with that. Hmm. Because trust is defined as follows. Future expectations based on past performance. When you have no past with me, you have no ground for trusting me, and I get that. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, I'm committed to earning your trust by my conduct and my character and how I deal. <laughs> Vice versa, we want you to understand that you have no basis for thinking we should trust you, <laughs> and you're going to have to earn our trust. Yeah. And that conversation is just tremendous in laying the groundwork for how your relationship develops. But here's what normally happens is that we give our trust away, then someone who values it at the price we give it away violates it. Mm -hmm. Then we get upset with them because they understood the value better than we did. Mm -hmm. And we get uh, resentful that something that costs nothing, they treated it like it costs nothing. So we want to remove that. We want people to understand that learning trust is the most valuable thing you can have in the business community outside of breath itself. Wow. That's fantastic. Tim, this is, this is, I, I, I can't even begin to tell you how important this kind of conversation is. So um, hopefully, if in the future you're available, I'd like to have you on again to talk about more of these these ideas, more of the necessity of this. This is incredibly helpful in my own life. I've already seen the fruit that it doesn't only ha- have on me and, and the business, which really isn't the, the end goal, as you said. It's self-sufficiency from a Christian perspective for the other individual, the impact that it has on on those people and their families. This is this is really taking a look at your culture and impacting it on a local level. So I, I really appreciate your time and I, I hope to do this again. If people want to find you, where should they look? Well, uh, I, I don't, uh, we're in the middle of developing a website for those that would like, but it's going to be a closed invitation only thing. Okay. Uh, and, and the reason being is, is that this is very, very personal. Yeah. And my experience has been when people try to develop programs and that kind of and it gets too big and it becomes impersonal, the one thing it always happens is that it also becomes ineffective. Great. Yeah. That's that's I have very never true. seen it work otherwise. Yeah. So uh, if people want to get in touch with me, uh, let me just give you my email address and they okay. can communicate with me there. Uh, it is tygreengate at gmail.com. That's ty for Tim Yarbrough, greengate at gmail.com. Great. Tim, I appreciate your time, and I, I am very excited to talk to you soon. Well, thank you very much, and I'm very thankful that the Lord has encouraged you to begin the process there where you are. And uh, may God be pleased to raise up another couple of million to do the same thing. Great. Thanks, Tim. Yes, sir. 
And that's going to conclude our episode for the Reforming Business Podcast. I want to thank you, the listeners, for being a part of this, for listening. I want to thank Tim for his contributions on a much-needed topic around the issues of Christian apprenticeship and discipleship. And, and for us, if you're a business owner, that you you would begin to see that your job is to get something bigger than an ROI. We see these different shows and programs that are just concerned with the, the bottom line or the strategy for the, the maximum return on your investment. But the reality is, as Christians, we have people in front of us, people that are made in the image of God. That's a stewardship. You will be held accountable for your abilities or your willingness to try to draw out their giftedness. Whether they're believers or unbelievers, you have a duty, you have a requirement. Begin to disciple the nations, to teach them all that Christ had commanded them. If you're an employee, the same thing goes for you. Begin to embrace the reality that a return to Eden will be a return to effective work. And that it will be good and that it will be delightful. I'm so thankful. If you enjoy the show, I would uh, just ask that you go to iTunes and like us, leave comments. Those kind of things help begin to expose us to a much broader audience. If you also notice, Nathan Brackenridge isn't here this week. He's normally joining us on the last couple episodes. He couldn't be here. Our schedules just didn't work out. So uh, be in prayer for him. He has a schedule that's just getting maxed out at this point. And I, I hope you enjoy this. Look forward to talking to you next week. Thank you for listening to Reconstructionist Radio and the Reforming Business Podcast with Gary and Nathan. May you glorify God in all of your business dealings. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.
Thank you for listening to Reconstructionist Radio and the Reforming Business Podcast with Gary and Nathan. May you glorify God in all of your business dealings. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows. Or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.